Hey friends, welcome to the Next Step Leadership Podcast, a conversation dedicated to helping you make your next step your best step. I'm Tracy Reynolds, and my partner for the Next Step Journey is Chris Maxwell. Together we hope to inspire, assist, and create the confidence you need to take your next step in your personal growth, spiritual growth, vocation, or even your calling. Thanks for joining us. Well, come on, let's dive into this week's episode of Next Step Leadership. Welcome again to Next Step Leadership Podcast. Uh, Chris Maxwell and Tracy Reynolds engaging in conversations with one another and with dear friends. Uh, Tracy, I'm excited about our time together. Uh, I love being able to do this with you uh, and the people that we talk to. Uh, this is an honor. So thanks. Thanks for um, yeah being a part of this with me and, and uh, talk to us about our guest today. Well, Chris, it's always great to be with you, brother. Uh, today, we are absolutely blessed to have a dear friend, Jason McCary. Uh, he's been somebody we work with. Uh, but, you know, let's start this with he's our friend. This is a guy that if I need something, uh, I know I can call him. I can text him and say, pray for me. And he's going to do it right then and there. And he's not only going to do that, he's going to follow up. But Jason uh, currently is part of the School of Christian Ministries staff and the leadership there uh, at Emmanuel College. Uh, I think he started there about 2019. Uh, before that, he'd served in the Upper South Carolina Conference of the International Pentecostal Holiness Church. He was a pastor at Real Life Ministries in uh, Greenwood, South Carolina. Uh, went to uh, Southeastern, I'm um, Southwestern Christian University. Mouth, wash my mouth out. But he also studied, got his DMN at Southeastern. So he's got the Southeastern and the Southwestern covered. And he went to the Pentecostal Theological Seminary. But all that just to say, this is a brother whom I trust and I love, and it's such an honor to have with us, Jason McCary. Jason, welcome, buddy. Guys, it's a privilege to be able to have this conversation with you guys this Monday morning. Well, it's so good to talk to you. And Jason, I just appreciate uh, your friendship. Uh, Tracy and I uh, interview a lot of different people, and each one, you know, their stories are important, uh, and our relationships with them are just a variety of um, relationships and ways that we've met them or connected with them. And I just want to thank you uh, for your friendship. Uh, we've gotten really close over these last few years, ministering together in the local church now. Uh, so it's, it's great. And uh, so as we yeah, just kind of dive into this conversation, uh, tell, us, tell us more about you, about your story. Well, I would, uh, you know, I'll start with this. You both used the term dear friend. I would call you guys uh, not just dear friends, but true friends, um, friends in the truth, friends of the truth, the truth of who Christ is. And I think that's, um, you know, I don't know that that even as, as Christians we have but so many true friends or truth friends, but I consider both of you um, dear truth friends. And so it's just a joy uh, to be able to do life on some level, uh, even currently with, with the both of you, um, Pastor Chris, you and I spend a little more time together, uh, but, but Pastor Tracy, I guess we probably at least are shooting one another a text a couple times a week, <laughs> and uh, I love both of you. I was thinking uh, Friday afternoon, I was with my son uh, at a campus tour at Furman University, and uh, we decided to take a short hike right after that at Paris Mountain. And I was thinking about you, Pastor Tracy, as I was hiking that mountain, uh, thinking back to a couple of years ago, you and I doing a short hike together and just the conversation. 
But um, but life, I think, probably for just about everyone is is uh, pretty fast paced right now, and uh, maybe a little more fast paced than I would like for it to be. But sometimes that's the way I think seasons of life and ministry uh, look like. But but God is a good God, and we say that all the time. But He really is, and I'm just if I'm being uh, really transparent off the cuff here. I feel like I'm personally experiencing um, the grace of God and the peace of God in a way that I have longed for for some time. Um, and it's not because everything is going perfect at all. Uh, but, you know, we long for those times to where we really sense uh, the tangible presence of God. And, and at least in this moment, um, I'm uh, thankful to the Lord that that I feel his nearness and I've kind of gone through a season where I didn't feel his nearness as much, but you know, my story, um, I'll kind of start at what I'll, I'll call the pivot. I was probably, um, right around 16 years of age when I think I encountered God in a way that I had never encountered God before. Um, I don't know that there's ever been a time that I didn't believe in God, but I didn't grow up in a Christian home. Uh, my grandparents were Christians, and they did live right down the street from me, so uh, it, I kind of had two worlds uh, that I was a part of, but my parents were not Christians until after I began to really follow Christ. Um, so I kind of grew up in the church, but also grew up in a very volatile home with parents who were teenagers when I was born and uh, were kind of forced to get married because of that. But around 16 years of age, really, um, in a series of events, one of them was at a youth camp, um, and then later kind of a camp meeting service. Um, I said yes to Christ, and and it stuck, <laughs> if you know what I mean. <laughs> like, for some reason, it, um, you know, it... That was the change. Uh, a couple of uh, weeks, really, after that youth camp, um, I experienced what we call in Pentecostal circles the baptism of the Holy Spirit. Um, and that wasn't in a church service. Uh, that was about 2 o'clock in the morning laying in a bed um, in a cabin on a campground praying. And for hours, um, I just began to experience God in ways and and pray in, in the Spirit, pray with other tongues. And, and my life really has never been the same since then. Um, and so that was a, I, I was about to turn 16 years old. I turned 16 in July, uh, which was kind of during that camp meeting week. And when I started my junior year of high school, um, I was different. And... I began to be involved in our church through music. Uh, I played on a worship team. We were actually forming a worship team back then and uh, got involved in the church really through music, I think, but kind of became a youth leader um, even as I was participating in the youth group. And um, by the time I was 18 years old, I began serving on staff in the church as a youth pastor. Mm -hmm. And so... <laughs> Uh, the journey from that point, um, so I've been in some some form or fashion, really, of pastoral ministry 
since that time. And, uh, and doing what I'm doing now at Emmanuel College, you know, as, as faculty here in the Christian Ministries Department, I think is an outflow and in some ways an overflow of that. I did continue going back to school, continue my education, but it was, it was never to do what I'm doing now, uh, per se. Mm. Um, I had done a little adjunct teaching here and there as I had time and as I wanted to, but I never really planned to be in the classroom full time. Um, but God has, God has, uh, I do feel like that the transitions that my family and I have made over the years has been um, following the leading of the Lord as best as we understood God's voice at the time. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So, well, Jason, who are, Jason, who are some of the voices who spoke into your life in that early time that really helped form you into some of the basics of the man and the character that you have today? I think, you know, uh, I would... I would be remiss not to say the voice of my wife, who was actually my girlfriend at 15 years of age. <laughs> wow. And um, she had a stability that I didn't have, um, even as we started dating. And by the time we were older teenagers and our relationship had gotten more serious, and we kind of both felt like, you know, we're probably going to uh, do life together. Um She's always been, I've always been somewhat of a risk taker, I think. And, you know, when I was very young, more of an adrenaline junkie kind of person. (laughs) And she has always been more of the stabilizer. Um, Even when we were were teenagers, very, very level-headed, very detail-oriented, much more of a concrete thinker than I am. I'm more of an abstract thinker. But um, even early on in our relationship, and especially early, we got married when we were 20 years old. Marsha has, um, has been a voice of the Lord in my life. And um, I'm about to get emotional. I'm going to try to <clears throat> dry that up right quickly. But she is, um, she's one of the most godly people that I know. Mm-hmm. And, you know, Jerry Cato was uh, the minister who, gave me a phone call when I was about to turn 18 and said, Jason, I, I sense you have a call of God on your life. And my parents were not even Christians at the time. And I, I sensed that call, but that confirming word. And then he said, would you be willing to, to come and, and serve as our youth pastor at the church? Um, I mean, that changed the course of my life. Um, you know, I think about... Uh, even kind of peer relationships that have also become somewhat mentor relationships early on. Some of the relationships I developed in college, uh, uh, Chris Green, Dr. Chris Green now, he and I were in college together. Um, but there's been ways that God has used his wisdom and intellect and friendship in my life that has really um, helped shape and form. Uh, he has always... Uh, pushed me uh, to think about God in ways that I had never uh, thought about God before. Um, they're, they're the Ray Boggs and the Ron Carpenter seniors. And, uh, and more recently, and I mean this with all sincerity, there are the Tracy Reynolds and the Chris Maxwells who um, continue to teach me what, 
what Jesus looks like and how Jesus is. And so, um, yeah, there's too many names to, to list. My grandmother, uh, my, my mom's mom, Helen Davenport, is my greatest hero of faith. She was, um, she's the reason, um, her prayers are the reason I'm a Christian. I can remember coming in at 15 years old, uh, spending a night at her house down the street because that was my safe haven, but sneaking in at 2 o'clock in the morning, and uh, crawling in the bed, and she would—I could hear her in the other room praying for me, um, praying that God would get a hold of my heart. And uh, she's still alive, ninety years old, uh, still drives a car, and uh, and that woman is my hero of faith. Yeah. Well, that's so good. Uh, I think about uh, many people who have others around them that could help, guide, direct, mentor, pastor, and serve. Um, but maybe they've been hurt relationally and they're reluctant to have the type of relationships that you're talking about. Uh, give some suggestions uh, to us, Jason, on making sure we do have those people, like the ones you're talking about that influenced your life. How can we be sure that we have those speaking into our lives, listening to us and being a part of our stories? Well, I think we have to grow into or maybe grow out of fear um you know we have to be willing to be vulnerable transparency we hear those kind of words they almost come cliche um they're much easier to talk about than they are to act out um true i think about a few years ago i was driving uh, i was actually headed to florida for one of my doctoral courses at southeastern and um the Lord would, had been dealing with me about um, not having really uh, the kind of relationship that I had normally been very intentional about having in my life, someone kind of outside of my immediate circle that I could really unload on, if you know what I mean, mm-hmm. and uh, just talk about struggles, um, talk about issues, maybe sin issues that, um, you know, really may not be something that others recognized or see or in some of others' opinions may not be real issues. But for me, I know that this is a hindrance between me and God. And and in the car, I made a phone call to someone that lived a thousand miles away, mm-hmm. someone that's old enough to be my dad, someone that I had somewhat of a relationship with but talked to quite rarely. But I felt like the Lord said, you need to reach out to this individual. So driving down I-95, I I called this individual and said, "Um, would you prayerfully consider being, for this season of my life, kind of a spiritual guide? Um, And his response was, let me pray about it. Mm -hmm. Right? He didn't just say yes automatically. He called me back about four or five days later and said, "Um, I feel like this is something the Lord would have us do. You know, those kinds of things, I think... um, have been uh, lifesavers and game changers for me. It's it's Christ in others that mm. has ministered to me so often um, as, I guess, what we would call a Christian leader. <laughs> I don't know that any of us feel like leaders uh, very often, but, um, you know, mm. those who are called to, to serve uh, in a unique way, the body of Christ and others, um, those those kinds of relationships are... They're imperative. Um, they're essential. Mm. You mentioned getting past 
fear. I think that's that's probably and, and the I talk about fear of condemnation, fear of failure, uh, fear of embarrassment, uh, but also the fear of self disclosure. Right, the fear of, yeah. of of opening up and telling you who I really am. Absolutely. Or is that the yeah, I think about, I mean, the two of you are aware because we, we have a close enough relationship. The two of you are, you've seen me in times of vulnerability, I think, to where um, I had to swallow uh, embarrassment. I had to chalk up the risk of, if I disclose this, um, what are they going to think? But I think back a, a couple of years ago, I had a, I had a situation that, that arose that I found out about where someone claiming to be me accused me of something. Um, and it wasn't me. I mean, it was, it was a, a weird, I won't get into the details of that, but it was a situation to where it really put my reputation on the line and I was struggling to process it. And the reality was nobody, hardly anyone would have even known about that situation. Uh, you guys would have never known about it. But mm-hmm. for me, it, it, I was struggling severely. Mm-hmm. Um, it was leading to, uh, you know, I think the beginning stages of depression. And, and I didn't mean to get this vulnerable that quickly. But at the same time, I mean, it was kind of disclosed, running the risk. I think about uh, th- this story comes to my mind immediately. You know, David and Jonathan. Mm-hmm. Uh, Jonathan uh, takes off his his sword and his belt and and not just his robe, but gives his weapons to David. And there are times to where, you know, we've got to allow the Spirit to help us be courageous enough to kind of give people a sword to use against us if they were to choose to do that. Mm-hmm. And um, and so, yeah, that, that being willing, I remember um, this was years ago. I was pastoring at Real Life Church in Greenwood, and I, I pastored there for uh, 13 years. And from 27 years of age to 40 years of age. But, you know, when you, when, you, when you pastor in a congregation that long, you develop relationships and close relationships. And I remember one morning, it was about 4 o'clock in the morning, um, I was undergoing a spiritual attack, and a, an attack of temptation, something that, in a way that I don't know that I'd ever experienced it. Mm. And I had an accountability brother that was one of my parishioners in the church. And at 4 o'clock in the morning, I called him. And I was embarrassed. I was crying. I said, I, I said, I am, I'm under attack. And I don't know what to do about it other than call you. I said, I feel guilty for calling you, for calling you at four o'clock in the morning. And yet, um, that phone call immediately broke, um, mm-hmm. that, that experience I was having, you know, I mean, so yeah, I don't, mm-hmm. I don't mind talking about the need for real mm-hmm. relationships uh, you know, as men, brotherly right. love in a way to where um, it's a means of God's grace in our lives. Yeah, and I think that's what we all need to hear because we, I mean, I believe there are people listening right now, Jason and, and Tracy, the people who are living in isolation. And, and just as they're hearing your comments, Jason, they need to take the initiative. <laughs> they need to make that call, like the call you made uh, when you're asking somebody to be there for you or when you're in a, a desperate time. So those of you who are listening today, if you feel like you're living in isolation, you're trying to fight this battle, endure the endeavor alone. Don't wait for someone to come to you. 
contact them. They can be there for you and, and help you um, work through the issues. So we'll pick this up in our next podcast. Um, I love you guys both very much, and we're just trying to find the right ways uh, to make sure that our next steps are our best steps. Thanks for joining us on Next Step Leadership, the weekly conversation dedicated to your personal growth and leadership development. Chris and I are so glad you dropped in. You can find us on all your favorite podcast providers. Do us a favor and hit subscribe. And if you really want to help us, give us a rating. We so appreciate your support. Check out our show notes for more information regarding guest contact information. Chris Maxwell's 11th book, Equilibrium, 31 Ways to Stay Balanced on Life's Uneven Surfaces, is available now at www.chrismaxwell.me or Amazon, where you can find all of Chris's previous books as well. Our featured music is by Casual Americans. You can find their new musical releases at www.casualamericans.com or at your favorite music suppliers. We release Next Steps Leadership each Thursday, so join us again next week on the Next Step Journey, a conversation dedicated to helping you make your next step your best step.